We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Sports Card Grinders show here at RotoGrinders.com. I'm your host, Dean, back once again with an esteemed panel of experts when it comes to sports cards. I'm just here to, to ask questions. Uh, batting first, leading off, uh, RotoGrinders' own producer extraordinaire, and also uh, baseball cards, sports cards expertise as well. Uh, Simon, what's going on, dude? How are things in your world? Going well, Dean. Glad to have Jeff on the show today. Going to do some good market movers analysis uh, with our cards today, so it should be a good time. Jeff, of course, welcome back. You're from uh, sportscardinvestor.com, and we, of course, have that sponsorship. The sponsorship as well, 20% off if you use uh, the SCI promo code. Uh, market Movers, we'll be talking about that soon enough as far as one of the big perks there uh, you can take advantage of at sportscardinvestor.com. And uh, Grinders is the promo code, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. Jeff, what's going on? How are things in your world? Dean, I appreciate it, man. Uh, things are good. We just launched a My Collection feature in Market Movers where you can now – input your own collection and track the price changes on your collection and your profit and loss. And we'll update every morning to give you the latest profit and loss on your collection. So it's a pretty cool feature we're excited about. Sweet. We'll check that out again. Uh, 20% off your first, uh, first month, first year, depending on how you want to do that uh, promo code grinders at sportscardinvestor.com. Last but not least, Brennan, how are things? Things are good. I was at Target today, did not see any basketball products. So apparently Simon has uh, invaded the Southern Charlotte market as well. <laughs> Simon, confirm, deny? Uh, deny. I'll deny that one. <laughs> Chief, Chief's, Chief is in that area, though, so we, we never okay. know. Maybe he figured yeah. it out. Pixar, it didn't happen. That, that's the appropriate response. Do you have any video evidence of this? <laughs> Otherwise, did not happen. Uh, all right. Well, let's bring in a... Jeff, we're going to start with you as far as our first topic, uh, comps. We're talking about, uh, you know, and we're going to also use the, the demonstrate the market mover chart in just a second. We're going to do it specific by players and compare some players against other players. But in a general sense, Jeff, uh, you know, how do we look for value when, comparison, when comparing uh, similar players and similar cards? What do you look at that sort of pops that says, hey, maybe this guy or this card is undervalued? 
Well, doing the comparisons, as you said, is a, a great idea. One of the cool things about market movers is you can bring up multiple players in the same chart. Uh, an interesting trend that I've seen recently is that if you go back about a month ago, uh, about a month and a half ago, when, when uh, the plans for basketball resuming were announced, you started to see the players who were going to be part of the resumption all start to go up. And then what happened was the players who were not going to be part of the resumption remained kind of flat. So just to give you an example, Luka Doncic's cards immediately started to go up. Trey Young's cards remained flat. But then what's happened in the last couple of weeks is, is sports card investors have begun to realize, oh, wait a minute, the gap between Luka and Trey is now too big. So then the last couple of weeks, a lot of the price movement has actually been around the players who are not part of the final 22 teams down in Orlando. So kind of an interesting phenomenon, but by watching price movements and overlaying players on the graphs, you can see those things start to happen and realize when the gaps are going to close. Yeah, uh, and we're, you know, we're recording this on a Tuesday. News just broke that Michael Beasley, newly signed Michael Beasley, has COVID, and we're not really sure what's up with him as far as Brooklyn. Brooklyn, future playoff team, going to be an absolute disaster. Stay tuned for that. Uh, I'll get off my soapbox, but why can't two of, like, Memphis and New Orleans and Portland make the playoffs as opposed to a team like uh, Brooklyn? They don't deserve it. Come on. We should, like, have the East and the West combined. All right, we'll move on. This is about sports cards. It's not about me. Uh Jump in here, Simon. What do you like to use as far as uh, you know figuring out value? Or you know, PSA guy as far as the grades, the, the card, the brand, similar players. Uh, what kind of jumps out for you when you say, "Well, this guy is just way too underpriced"? Well, usually I'll try to check out the market movers' uh, players or cards that are on the move, and I'll see if there are any PSA tens that have spiked in the last ten, uh, seven to fourteen days. And I'll go and do a comparison of PSA 9s and PSA 10s on those charts to see if there's any PSA 9s that are lagging. So grades are a good way to do comparisons and find good value with cards. I also like to do uh, comparisons on similar players. And uh, this week's article, I'm going to do a, a comparison on similar players. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But uh, those, those are the two that I like the most. How about yourself, Brennan? Yeah, so I when I... I prefer to compare at least initially when I'm looking for what players to target, I'd like to compare them with guys in the same draft class. Uh, that way we know f- at least in general terms that the population counts are similar uh, as you go, you know, further on in years and, and even back into the past pop counts can really play a part in the price. But if you compare a guy like Jason Tatum uh, to Bam Adebayo and Donovan Mitchell, you know that they're, print counts should be about the same. Um, now Panini probably is aware of who they should print more of. Zion is probably printed more than um, say a guy like, uh, you know, Troy Brown Jr. Uh, there are different draft classes, but the in general terms, if you stick in the same draft class, you'll be fine from a pop count. And then I like to compare uh, in market movers, uh, many of those players that players cards. So for instance, optic prism and select are the three big guys. And I like to see if there's trends in, in one or the others uh, that haven't quite hit the other brands yet. And so I, I think you start with similar players and then you go dig deeper into a player's uh, offering in terms of rookie cards. Yeah, Jeff, how about that? First of all, your thought as far as uh, Brennan's theory, you know, picking guys in similar draft class. And then, you know, when you're decide, deciding between breaking down by card, Prism, Optic, Select, any other card, is that a strategy you, you use as well? Yeah, for sure. And uh, you can compare different types of cards. And then also, as Simon said, you can compare 
very uh, grades within the same card and also variations within the same card is something important as well. So looking, for example, within Prism at what the silvers are trading at, comparing to the base cards, comparing to the greens, comparing to red, white, and blues, et cetera. And we just launched a brand new feature in Market Movers. You're actually going to be the very first people to see this. This just went live that it really helps you do just that. So we've launched a new ratios feature within Market Movers. And up here on my screen, I've called up Patrick Mahomes' rookie card. So this is from 2017. And I've this is his 2017 Prism Silver. Of course, back in 2017, Prism only made silver for football. Kind of a weird thing because you always think of like, oh, there's Prism base cards and then Prism silver cards. In 2017, the rookies only had silver cards. So this is kind of like his base card, kind of. Um, but it's uh, a little oddity from that year. But what I've, what I've done here is I've called up that card in BGS 9.5, in PSA 10, and in PSA 9. So you can see those three lines on your graph. Now, here's where it gets interesting. When you scroll down, there's this new ratio section. And what it does is it compares the price of, let's say, the PSA 10 to the BGS 9.5. And you can see that the, PGS, the PSA 10 is currently a 2.35 multiplier of the BGS 9.5. And it will compare the BGS 9.5 to the PSA 9 and the PSA 10 to the PSA 9. And that one, the PSA 10 to the PSA 9 is a 3.99 multiplier. Let's go over to a different player. Let's look at Lamar Jackson and let's look at his rookie cards from Prism of the following year. Now, what you're going to notice is that when we, when we were looking at uh, Mahomes, the PSA 10 to the BGS 9.5 was a 2.35 multiplier. Currently, with Lamar Jackson, it's a 3.76 multiplier. What this is telling me is that it's possible that the BGS 9.5s of Lamar Jackson are currently undervalued because the multiplier between the 10 and the 9.5 is much larger with Lamar Jackson than it is with Patrick Mahomes. Conversely, with Patrick Mahomes, the PSA 10s are 3.99 times more valuable than the PSA 9s. With Lamar Jackson, they're 4.76 times more valuable, the PSA 10s and the PSA 9s. Once again, this tells me that there's value to be had here. And in the case of Lamar Jackson, there's value to be had in this PSA 9. So if I were a Lamar Jackson buyer right now, I would not be buying his PSA 10s. I would be buying his BGS 9.5s and his PSA 9s. If I were a Patrick Mahomes buyer, I actually would probably be buying his PSA 10s. So using these ratios to determine the spreads can really kind of give you an idea of where there are some inefficiencies in the market. Um, the other thing you can do as well is you can look at the different color variations of a player. So this is Zion's base, green, red, white, and blue, and silver, all in PSA 10 from Prism of this year. And you can see the ratios comparing all of those cards to one another. So his, his 2019 silver PSA 10 is 4.33 times what his uh, green is, for example, or it's 5.3 times what his base is. And now you could call up other players and do that same comparison to see how Zion compares with Ja, and is there value perhaps in one of the variations of one of the players versus another player. Yeah, that, that seems like an amazing tool. And I'm just curious, is there like a baseline where you can say like, generally speaking, you're talking about a sample size, two different cards, and maybe you're talking about extremes as well. Is there a general baseline of like, more or less the average uh, BGS 9.5 versus a PSA 10 is this, and you can see if it's under or over, or it's just, it varies based upon the player and the market corrects itself. How do you figure this out? Well, it does. It, yeah, that's a great question. So the next phase of what we're going to do here is actually compile 
all of the ratios across all of the players into one centralized report. So yeah. you can see where that average is and where that median line is and that type of thing. Um, there is some variance based upon the rarity of the cards and, and you know, the pop counts. And so there's different things that can come into play. With some players, the PSA 10s are more difficult to get than the PSA 9s. You see that in particular with, for example, like optic hollow cards from the last couple of years. They're really difficult to get in a PSA 10. Uh, so the PSA 10s become more valuable than the PSA 9s as a result versus what you might see on Prism, for example, where the PSA 10s are maybe a little bit easier to achieve. But that also varies year by year. With, with 2019 Prism, it's actually harder to get the PSA 10s in some cases than it was in previous years of Prism because they seem to have more centering issues this year than what they had in previous years. So, um, so there's a lot of different ways to slice and dice that. If you look at it across the same year and the same set to understand what the PSA 10 averages or the PSA 9 averages across that year and across that set compared to one another, then you can get a pretty good gauge for what players might be high or low on the spectrum of what those cards are, are selling for. Like good timing over here. It's thundering, it's raining, it's lightning. So my apologies if you're hearing that on my mic. Uh, hopefully we'll power on through. Brennan, uh, this is the first you're hearing of this tool, I imagine. How can you see yourself, can you see yourself uh, using it? How would you apply it when buying cards? Yeah, no, this is an amazing tool. I, I love data, so this is great. Uh, and, and this is another thing that I think that you dig into once you've identified the player you're targeting. Obviously, the ratios won't matter if the guy has no potential from an investment perspective or is already overpriced. That being said, you know, Jeff brought up a good point. If you stay within the same set, try to stay within the same year or close, that's going to normalize enough things that you can really dig into where's the value, as he just pointed out with Mahomes in Jackson. So the way I see that myself using this is once I find a player that I'm targeting, um, say a DeAndre Ayton, who we'll talk about here in a second, I'll then dig into his ratios across the major sets to figure out, should I be targeting a 10 or should I be targeting a nine or should possibly I be looking at BGS? And so I think once you've identified the player and the cards you're looking at, these ratios will allow you to identify what uh, variations, so what parallels, and also what grades should I be looking at? And that's going to be uh, huge for ROI in the future because if you're finding an arbitrage in the market, uh, that in itself will give you ROI. And then in, 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 in addition to that, you should be targeting guys you think just in general have potential in the future. So I, I see this as a very valuable tool once you've nailed down what kind of guys you're looking at. Simon, how about yourself? How do you see uh, yourself using this tool? Yeah, I'm looking forward to digging into this one. I, I actually use ratios when I'm comparing uh, PSA 9s and 10s, but I have to do that with a calculator. Try to find a, a slimmer part in, in their historic comparison where you know we might be able to get to where we're widening the gap in the current, uh, current comparison. So to be able to kind of have these ratios in, in front of me will be definitely helpful. And uh, I, Jeff, are you going to have these for uh, different periods of time uh, within the, the same card, or are these, are these across, uh, across brands? Yeah, so right now it's all based upon kind of the most recent sales data. So as you look at these reports, it gives you kind of a snapshot in time of today, um, you know, what the most recent sales of all these cards and variations are. Um, I do think it would be interesting over time to be able to draw comparisons of like how were the PSA 10s versus PSA 9s of Patrick Mahomes trading a month ago and two months ago versus today 
And is the ratio starting to, you know, get larger? And does that mean that there's value in one end or the other of that? Um, so that's all, all in the future. You know, one of the things that um, we're doing with Market Movers is we're launching new features every single week. We've got a, a whole dev team working on it right now. And we just launched the My Collection feature last week. And this week we're launching ratios and all kinds of stuff has been happening. So as, as certainly as time goes on, it's going to get more and more powerful. Awesome. All right, Brennan, uh, you're excited to talk about uh, DeAndre Ayton. And you're, you're going to think I'm being mean because I picked on you last week about Chris Paul. And sure. I'm not on team DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> I mean, and again, I come at this from like a, a baseball, basketball fan perspective, from a DFS perspective, you know, from just, you know, I don't know if he actually helps his team win perspective. Of course, he's still only 21 years old. And you were talking about from a card collecting perspective. But uh, sell me on uh, DeAndre Ayton and what card are we looking at? And of course, we're going to have some screen sharing here being done by Jeff. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, this goes right back to the point that we just talked about comparing guys within the same draft class. And, and what we're looking at here is DeAndre Ayton's prism PSA 10 compared to both Jaron Jackson and Michael Porter Jr. Now, ironically, DeAndre Ayton was the number one pick in a loaded draft class, yet Michael Porter Jr. and Jaron Jackson at one point was were outpacing DeAndre Ayton. And one of the things that I like to look at uh, is, you know, data. What does the data look like? And you've got a guy in DeAndre Ayton who had a strong rookie season and only improved in his sophomore campaign. Now, it was put on pause, I believe, two games into the season. He got suspended for performance-enhancing drugs. And then while he was out, Aaron Baines came in and played amazing in the role that they had him. So they weren't really able to get DeAndre Ayton up and going in his sophomore year. But all of the data shows that he improved in the games that he did play. So when I look at a guy who's got the pedigree of a number one pick, who has already proven to us that he can improve from year over year – why would I not value him with his with his fellow draftees, Jaron Jackson, who was taken a few slots later in the draft, and then Michael Porter Jr., who was taken uh, towards the end of the lottery. And so for me, it was just an opportunity to take a guy who I believe has a lot of potential, who's going to be the secondary star to a guy in, in Devin Booker, who we already know is generating a lot of buzz in the industry. And so we talked last week about taking the secondary stars. And in my opinion, for a former number one overall pick to be trading at this much of a discount to Jaron Jackson, who is a, a almost a three and D type big man, uh, he's a very good one. And, and he's also a secondary star. But Michael Porter Jr. hasn't really proven to us yet his potential. He's flashed it. And I believe it's there. But I just kind of felt like DeAndre Ayton was not getting enough love compared to all the other supporting points that he had. And this is one of the things you can do in market movers. You can chart all three of these guys and ask yourself, why would DeAndre Ayton not be trading closer to these guys than he is? You can see here there's quite a bit of a gap there around mid to late June, and it's starting to close a little bit. But in my opinion, those are the things that I look for. And, and if I'm buying any three of these guys right now, it's going to be DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, I, mean, I guess you're talking about a buying opportunity. He's too cheap for the pedigree he has. And, like, my issue with Aiton is that he's not – he's like – his stats are so empty. That Phoenix team is terrible. Uh, they do have Booker. Maybe they need at least one more piece. Of course, they're, they are in Orlando for what it's worth, uh, you know, in theory, playing eight games to get in the playoffs. They're not going to make it. Spoiler alert. Not happening. Um, <laughs> but he does – I don't know if he helps his team win. Uh, super empty stats. To me – and this might be an insult to Jeff. Close your ears. I think he's kind of like a poor man's like Trey Young uh, because, you know, Trey Young get, puts up these empty stats, uh, puts up great, you know, great stat lines, but he's terrible defensively. 
doesn't I don't know how much he helps his team win. Uh, you know, uh, I, it, it's it, and Trey Young's sexier because he's younger. He hits threes. Aiton doesn't hit any threes at all. He's like he's an old school guy. Like his game right now, and it doesn't fit in twenty twenty for me. I mean, you know, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I'm, I'm, I guess I'm taking shots. Jeff, uh, you want to defend Trey Young? I just took some some shots at him for no particular reason. Well, my only defense to Trey Young is that is that people in the hobby often don't care about defense, and they mm-hmm. just want to see the player light up the scoreboard. Um, and so if Trey Young's lighting up the scoreboard, people are pretty excited about that. They, you know, people, what honestly, what makes card prices go up is the, is the highlights of the player leading sports center. And when Trey Young scores 50 points and shoots threes from half court, nobody cares that he allowed, you know, 12, <laughs> you know, 12 baskets to blow right by him in the lane without even putting his hands out to try to defend. I agree with you that Trey Young's a horrible defender. And as a result of that, the Hawks, are only ever going to go so far. So I think that's a real world concern. Uh, but in the, in the land of card prices, I don't know quite how big of a concern it is. Yeah. And that's the perspective I come from. And again, I don't, uh, and obviously that doesn't move the market. Uh, but like you said, the, the point about young is that young is fun to watch and he puts up great highlights. And can you think of one Deandre Ayton? I think I saw him like a putback dunk or something like that, maybe like an alley-oop or whatever, but he doesn't hit threes. He's just like a postman kind of sort of it's, which is just not 2020 for Brennan, but, you know, if he's cheap enough, you're, is he basically the same price or cheaper than a Triple J and MPJ or much sexier players? Obviously, uh, yeah, he, he, was, he is. Yeah, he's sitting down at he's sitting sub three hundred dollars right now. This is for his uh, silver twenty eighteen Prism in PSA ten. That's under three hundred dollars. Whereas you've got uh, Michael Porter Jr. has now gotten over four hundred dollars. Um, and JJJ was last trading for upwards of about four hundred bucks, about three hundred eighty bucks. So yeah, he's about a hundred. He's about twenty five percent less than those guys. So if that's um, you know if that's enough of a discount to get him at, then then he would be a good pickup. That makes sense. I mean, that, that seems like it's probably wrong. Like especially like you're betting on the come as far as MPJ. Like he's had a couple good games, but you know he hasn't done much. And of course, he had a history of injuries in college as well too. Uh, for what it's worth, by the way, he's not yet reported in a bubble. Uh, a couple guys on Denver, uh, Harris and I believe uh, Morris as well. I'm not sure what the story is. It could be nothing. It could be something. But Michael Porter Jr. not yet reported as of Tuesday. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts on that, Michael Porter Jr.? I know he's a guy we've hyped up previously, uh, Brennan. So I imagine, like, people are just buying on the hype. And that's why maybe he's overpriced. Uh, you're talking Michael Porter Jr.? Yeah. I, I'd, I wouldn't say that he's overpriced, but I think that he is caught up to probably his fair market value. I, I think that uh, if we go too much higher than this without seeing him stay healthy and actually get his minutes back, which maybe the Nuggets were just protecting him for the playoffs. Um, I have, you know, some shares of Michael Porter Jr. I think he's a great player. Um, you know, he's, he's sexier, as you say, than some, a big man like uh, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, but the problem, and, and this has been the problem with, uh, Denver for years is there's just so many guys there. They've got Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic, uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. In, in a crunch time lineup will have to play the three spot. And, you know, I think in reality with the way the NBA is going, he probably is better at the four. That being said, um, you know, I, I think Michael Porter Jr. has had a run up because of a, a string of games in the middle of the season. And uh, he certainly could deliver on that in these playoffs and then next year for a breakout year. Um, but, you know, that being said, we're still betting on a lot of, of, of potential and, and what we haven't yet seen yet. So, and, and not to mention Denver has had a problem delivering in the playoffs. And so, uh, you know, 
will will they ever get over the hump and get them to the finals or at least the Western Conference finals and, and get them some of those playoff moments that really drive prices? We don't quite know that. Yeah, and you mentioned a closeout lineup. We're not even sure if Porter will be in that closeout lineup. They have Barton. They have Harris. Uh, sometimes they use Craig for defensive purposes. Morris gets hot sometimes. Uh, and Malone, he's not necessarily married to one lineup. And it'll be curious to see how that goes. And you'd think that they kind of like, you know, haven't used them a ton because they're saving them for the finals or saving for this, uh, you know, the playoffs. I shouldn't say the finals. That's way too presumptuous. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Jeff, as far as uh, let's bring in Triple J and Porter as well. I know you talked about eight in a bit. Uh, any thoughts as far as Porter and Jackson? I mean, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you, Dean, that with Porter, you've just got such, such, such a small sample size. How are you going to evaluate? Um, I'm, a, I, I'm an analytics guy. I like to go look at analytics and predictive analytics of player performance and everything like that. And I, the, the challenge with mapping out Porter is his his analytics sample is still pretty limited at this point. So it's I just I don't feel like I've got a great read on where his career is going to go. All right, Brennan, uh, this is a much easier sale. Uh, sell us on uh, Tatum. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, so Jason Tatum for me is a guy who at post all-star break this year, and really in the last couple of years, if, if you really look into the data, I'm an analytics person as well. This guy is just going to be one of the five best players in the league through his prime. And in, in my opinion, that's, that's all, but, but said and done. I mean, the guy is, is going to be locked into a long contract in a winning organization with a good young core in Boston with Jalen Brown uh, in, in a place where veterans like Kemba Walker will want to go and play. And so you've got a guy in, in Jason Tatum who I think next to Giannis, Luca, depending on how you feel about Zion, I still think we need to see more from him. Uh, although what we've seen so far has been been very promising. I think Tatum's going to be one of those names that you talk about, one of the five names in the NBA through his career that you're going to talk about. And for me, that's when you can start to pick him up and hold him rather than looking for chances to sell him. And so now the question isn't really, should I buy Jason Tatum, but it's what cards should I buy? And I've been buying Jason Tatum select just because one, I love the select product. I think the pop counts are going to be held more in check as we see this, um, the rise in the market because it's hobby only. Um, but also I just like the look of the cards as well. And so we see here on the chart, we've got several different Jason Tatum cards pulled up and this is what I do. I look for, you know, different things like that. You can see here that, um, you know, the silver PSA 10 concourse is kind of spiked up while the two charts on the bottom are, are kind of staying still. And so, uh, I, you know, I, I think that Jason Tatum for me is not anymore one of those promising rookies or second year guys that we we might or might not be able to hit on I think he's going to hit everybody is collecting and hoarding Giannis right now I think Tatum might be that guy next year that we're all going to be chasing and I'm trying to get in on that early yeah still just 22 years old uh Boston currently tied for the Eastern Conference as far as the odds uh, second behind Milwaukee they're tied with the Raptors seven to one and we'll talk Giannis in a second and you know Goofy things are almost definitely going to happen. I'm on the business predicting what's going to happen, but I think something goofy is going to happen as far as what's going down uh, in that bubble in Orlando. Uh, are you in? Are you out, Jeff, as far as Tatum? Yeah, I can buy into all of that. I think Brennan's got a good take on Tatum. I can buy into all of that. Um, Tatum's actually, his prices, he's one of the highest uh, movers in terms of prices uh, over the course of the year. If you go back and look at Tatum's prices back in January and compare them to where they are today, he's he's had huge leaps. And in particular, Select. Um, in fact, there's a um, uh, one of the guys who works for me at Sports Card Investor. He 
started buying some Jason Tatum select cards back at the beginning of the year. And one card in particular, I don't know which one of these it was, our data on the screen right now is only going back to April. But if we went all the way back to January, one of these cards is up 1,200%. 1,200%. It's gone up 12 times since <laughs> January, um, one of these select cards has. And so um, I'm with Brennan. I like Jason Tatum and I like select. I think it's a savvy pick. All right, Simon, I'm going to bring you in. We didn't forget about you. You want to talk about Harden versus Giannis? Yeah, I uh, was looking at this last week, and I mentioned it on the show. But if you look at James Harden's 2009 Tops Chrome Basketball PSA 10, uh, it has a population of 50, and you compare that to Giannis' uh, 2013 Prism Basketball uh, PSA 10 with a population of 2109. Uh, they're tracking at around the same price. Recently, Giannis kind of spiked uh, pretty significantly above that James Harden rookie. But I think with the last few years that Harden's had, including an MVP, it just doesn't make sense to me why his card with such a scarce population would be that significantly below Giannis's, uh, Giannis's uh, rookie card. So to me, Harden uh, looks like a buy right now. Jeff, can you make sense of that? Well, I definitely agree that the population count on that Harden 2009 rookie is ridiculously low. And I am surprised that it's not more valuable because it's got such an incredibly low population count. I think the main difference is, I think there are two main differences. I think, first of all, a lot of people, including myself, believe that Giannis can win the championship and might win the championship this season. Um, and I don't think a lot of people believe that James Harden can win the championship. I don't think people are, think that's going to get done in Houston. Um, I also think that Giannis is likable, and a lot of people think James, think James Harden is not likable. And I think that those two factors have a major impact. But the truth of the matter is James Harden is the leading scorer in the NBA right now, and it's not even close. He's got a four-point-per-game average over the second-place person, Bradley Beal. It's not even close. And so <laughs> – I do agree that Harden should be getting a little bit more respect than he's getting from a pricing perspective here. Yeah. Hey, sell me on Milwaukee real quick while you're at it. I mean, you just think they have the clearest path to the finals, I assume. Well, I do. I mean, part of that just comes down to the East. I mean, yeah, while Boston and Toronto and maybe Miami could mount somewhat of a challenge, um, you know, the Bucks are the prohibitive favorite to come out of the East and get to the finals. Whereas in the West, um, you know, you've got the Lakers and the Clippers who both have approximately the same odds of making it to the finals. So you don't have a prohibitive favorite in the West. So, I mean, I like, I like Giannis's chances to get there in the East um, and, uh, and get to the finals this year. Um, he was, you know, he was one of two captains of the All-Star game this year, you know, across from LeBron. Um, you know, he's still, he's still young in his career. He's still got years to go while he'll still be in his prime here. Um, and I kind of think that if he doesn't get it done with Milwaukee this year, he might get it done with Milwaukee next year. And if he doesn't get it done with Milwaukee that year, then maybe the following year after that, he's on Golden State or some <laughs> other super team getting it done with them. I would be really surprised if we're five years out and Giannis doesn't have a championship somewhere. And so I think that's what that excitement around Giannis, a lot of that is based on. All right, Simon, we're going to jump to football. There's three players you wanted to compare and contrast. Fire away. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite comparisons is Deshaun Watson's rookie card versus Dak Prescott. 
And if you look at their comparison of their, uh, the, it's the 2016 Prism football. As Jeff mentioned, the base was silver for rookie cards in, the, in those years uh, versus Deshaun Watson 2017 uh, Prism silver. They're almost track identical. But when you throw in another element into that comparison, you add Kyler Murray's 2019 uh, silver prism card, he's way higher than those guys. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to me other than obviously uh, COVID affecting the population count of uh, Kyler Murray's PSA 10s. But I think that tells me that Deshaun and Dak might be a little bit undervalued, especially compared to, uh, to Kyler. And I think just in general, uh, when you compare them to guys like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes as well, uh, I just don't think those guys are getting a lot of respect with their with their pricing. And and Dak, for example, has a population of 765 for his PSA 10, and uh, Watson's got uh, 1612. I I like Zach, I like Dak the most out of these guys. But uh, I was wondering what Jeff thinks about these uh, comparisons. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason why part of the reason why Kyler is so much higher is because you know the last two years in prison they have had both base and silver. Whereas the prior years with Watson and Prescott, they only had silver for the rookies. So there's kind of a mental perception that the Prescott and the Watson rookies in silver are maybe a little more equivalent to the Murray rookie in base. Um, and so when you compare the, I'm going to put the Murray rookie on base and silver on the graph here. Let me turn that one back on. So actually the, the Murray rookie in base is the exact same the exact same price as the Dak and Watson card in silver, but then when you look at the Murray card in silver, that is the top line on the graph here, and it is significantly it's three x what the Dak and Deshaun cards are from those years. So it it kind of depends how you want to do the comparison, but if you if you look at the silver card for Murray, it it you know there's there's definitely going to be a lot more of those that will get graded over time um but it's still going to be a pretty rare card it's probably going to hang out certainly i think below where the watson card is in population count and maybe maybe around or below where the dac card is in population count um whereas the whereas the murray base card i think over time will become more there will be more of those graded than Dak, uh, and probably more of those graded than Deshaun as well over time. So it just kind of depends how you want to do that comparison. But I do generally agree that Murray is overpriced right now compared to Dak and Deshaun. So whether you're looking at the fact that his base card is the same is the same price as what was effectively their two base cards, even though they were silvers, or if you want to look at the fact that his silver card is 3x what uh, Dak and Deshaun's silver base was a couple years ago. Either one of those comparisons does lead me to believe that we're probably placing a little too much faith in Murray if we're going to price him in the same ballpark as guys who are a lot more proven like Dak and Deshaun. Does that have something to do with uh, Hopkins jumping over to Murray, you know, somebody to throw the ball to? And the other thing that me and Simon were talking about this pre-show, and again, I was just football, and I was, I was thinking that, you know, Watson and Murray were crowned. They were coming to the league expecting to be these great guys. And, you know, Dak had to earn everything he got. The second or third rounder wasn't drafted to be the guy. And maybe pedigree has something to do with it, despite the fact he's on Dallas, like, quote-unquote, America's team, or at least the national team or nothing else. Well, Murray, Murray has definitely been one of the hotter football cards of this offseason. 
Um, and the, and the, when Hopkins went over to Arizona, his card shot up. So that absolutely has had something to do with it in terms of Murray. Um, and in general, people like the rookies. I mean, people like chasing the new players. And so you see a lot, a little bit of an artificial bump, I think, just for that reason. It's the same reason why I think, you know, someone like Zion's a little bit overvalued right now or Jaws a little bit overvalued compared to guys from a few years prior who have done more in the league. Uh, but people like that, you know, allure of I'm going in on the on the new rookie because maybe maybe Murray surpasses Dak and surpasses Deshaun and becomes a, you know, multiple Super Bowl winning, you know, great, great quarterback over time. All right, one more of these comparisons before we move on. Uh, I know it took shots earlier at Aiton as being a boring big man, but two of my favorite big men to watch, two of my, you know, the most fun players to watch the entire league from a highlight perspective, from everything perspective. Uh, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, I'm curious. I don't know the answer, Jeff. Uh, how do these guys match up against each other as far as uh, uh, their asking price? Are they basically similar or not so much? Yeah, they're actually very similar. I've got both of their base uh, prism cards, Embiid for 2014 and Jokic from 2015 up on the screen. Um, Jokic is actually slightly more valuable. This is their PSA 10s. The Jokic cards are about 300, about 400 bucks, whereas the the uh, Embiid cards are about 300 bucks. So Jokic is about 25% more valuable. Uh, but there's also a higher population count of the Embiid bases than there are the Jokic bases currently graded. So that may that may cause a little bit of that difference. So in general, I would say they're pretty evenly priced. So given that, which, what's your pick between the two, Dean? Man, I like Jokic, but I think Embiid's got a cleaner, like, you know, path to the finals, you know, uh, this year and probably going forward as well, too, for another reason he's in the East. But, I mean, I just – Jokic is just the most fun player to watch. And he – like, there's nobody else like him. I mean, you watch – who else plays like him, especially at his size? Now, I know he's a little bit different size, not as big as he was, you know, pre-quarantine. And it's interesting because I was talking to some people about this, and they're like, this might actually hurt him. He uses his size, he uses his girth to his advantage. So, if you get get position, and he's not going to be, like, distinctly quicker than anybody else now than he ever was before. He's still going to be slow. So, maybe, like, in a strange way, hurts him that he lost some size. Uh, I don't know, but I, I just – I'm a sucker for Jokic. I love his game. Uh, and Bede's perfectly fine as well, too. Uh, maybe it's my heart over my head, but I got Jokic. How about yourself? Um, I like I like Embiid just because I think um, – I, I think he's – I think either the 76ers will eventually get get it together and, <laughs> and Embiid will um, – you know, I people forget that the 76ers were actually – perhaps the second best team last season, they were a last second bucket away from beating Toronto and Toronto went on to win the championship. I mean, literally there was a last second bucket. That was the difference between Philadelphia and Toronto and had Philadelphia won that could Philadelphia be the champions right now? Possibly so, right? Quite possibly so. So I think that's, you know, I, I, even though they've been in bead before this season, Embiid was one of my very top picks for basketball players to invest in this year. Um, and I have been disappointed with how the 76ers performed. Embiid's cards have still gone up a fair amount. So from an investment standpoint, even though the 76ers have underperformed, uh, people who took my advice and bought Embiid cards, they're still pretty happy. Um, but the but but you know, overall, I, I still I, I, I'm still pretty high on Embiid in terms of his long-term potential. 
And he's also super likable. You talk about, uh, you know, guys that are just likable. They, they tend to have cards that are more expensive and great tweeter. Just a, a lot of fun out there. Seems to have a great time on the court as well, too. Uh, and, you know, just as long as you get to the playoffs and you figure it out, it's fine. And I, I, I've done some podcasts on, like, gambling from a Vegas perspective. 28 to 1. Some potential doesn't take that much chaos. Or maybe, like you said, a combination of chaos and a combination of Philadelphia just figuring it out. They have a ton of talent, obviously. Uh, I think it's a pretty interesting bet. I know it's a sports card show. Uh, Let's bring in Brennan because I'm curious. I'm sure you have a thought. Jokic versus Embiid. And then I want you to pivot to our new topic, uh, the incoming flood of PSA cards, how it's going to affect recent rookies. Sure. Yeah. So to to put a bow on the Jokic uh, Embiid conversation, there's two reasons why, three reasons why I'd probably prefer Jokic to to Embiid. I think they're both great players and they're probably both a little bit undervalued. Jokic has played 65 or more games every season of his career. Embiid is yet to do that. So could we have a situation where Embiid never really puts together a full season to where um, he can have 80 games of just pristine performance? Um, I also am a little bit concerned that there's just always going to be the struggle between Simmons and Embiid. Whose team is it? Jokic is the guy in, in, in Denver. No matter what you think about Jamal Murray, potentially Michael Porter Jr. could just explode and try to take that crown. But Jokic is the cornerstone of a a really competitive Western Conference team. And I just love that Jokic has that thing that we can point to once his career is over, that he's arguably the best passing big man in the league. And Bede, while he's very good and very versatile, I don't know that he has that one shining thing that we can put on his resume to say, I'm the best this Trash talker in the NBA. Yeah, he's the best trash star. Maybe. I, although Joe Joe Ingles would Joe Ingles. take that crown too. But um, so I, I'd prefer Jokic. I agree that him losing weight for I think this playoff run probably is not going to help him as much as it might hurt him. But he'll have a whole off season to learn to play at this lower weight, and he's already apparently faster. So um, you know, I, I think, and just the sheer idea of him putting in the time and effort to to lose that weight shows me that maybe he's he's turning a corner in his career. So I, I prefer Jokic. Uh, I also think the team has enough assets to put together uh, like a championship team versus Philly, who just shelled out big money for Horford, which didn't work. Tobias Harris is kind of lost in the mix. So I, I'd, gi- I'd give a lean towards Jokic. But that being said, I think they're both great players and, and both have probably growth as far as an investment uh, standpoint in the, in the future. Now, in terms of the PSA flood, uh, the flood of PSA cards that we're going to see, um, you know, I think it's going to hit the 2018-2019 draft classes the most. Um, I I did a, uh, I just did a quick analysis earlier earlier today to look at the population counts for the Prism Basketball, and uh, we saw the 2017 class have 38,000 as of today. Uh, I believe it was about 103,000. For 2018. This is Prism PSA graded basketball cards. We've only seen 71,000 so far of the 2019 draft class. So if we're assuming it's going to be above 2018, we're going to see this close to double, if not more. So uh, not that it'll be evenly spaced out. You could see a lot of their population counts for these PSA Prism cards double in size. And so I think that we're definitely going to see that flood the market. And as we know, with supply and demand, that could put a downward pressure on the prices. What I would expect to see, and I think we see this with any draft classes, two, three, I don't know how many, four years after the draft class, you'll start to see the population count settle down and you'll start to see a slower, more, you know, 
growth pattern that you would expect. I think you could have both upward and downward pressure right now, which could cause things to to be pretty volatile. So I'm a little bit concerned about it in the short term. Uh, but in the long term, I don't think we've reached a point where the market, there's going to be a bubble that pops. I think with players, especially like Luca, uh, Trey, Zion, Jaw, these guys can support high population counts. They might never see their PSA 10s get to LeBron levels, 15,000, whatever it is. But that's not where they're at right now anyway. So I still think there's room to grow. But I think in the short term, the flood in the market, especially if it hits in the offseason when we know prices get go down anyways, we could see a, a pretty strong uh, downward trend here in, in, once they all hit the market. Yeah, Jeff, I'm not sure if you're a screen sharing there. We can do it now. Uh, you have a, uh, a tool there with the market movers you can demo that can, make a, that can speak to the population count ratio of uh, a feature that you have uh, on the ready, I imagine. Yeah, that's a good, that's a, that's a good point. So you can, you can even, um, let me, uh, let me call up a card here. So we've got, we've got uh, Jokic and Embiid still on the screen, but what I'm going to do is see if we've got, actually, let me grab one of the other guys who we already did multiple grades of. Um, so we can show that off. Um, because yeah, what you, one thing you can do is, yeah. So like, here's like the Lamar uh, one that we look, we're looking at earlier, but if you scroll down below the ratios we were showing earlier, it also shows population count ratios now which shows you the current population count of that card and then how many dollars per pop count that translates to. So like in the case of Lamar Jackson, his PSA 10 is selling for an average of $1,499. There's a pop count of only 376. You're paying $3.99 per pop count. For the PSA 9, that's selling for $315. There's a pop count of 1,087 you're paying 29 cents per pop count. And so obviously the the lower grades are always going to be cheaper, but it's interesting to look at that disparity and to say like, man, that, that, that 29 cents per pop count number, that's a pretty attractive number because that thousand that 1087 is still a pretty low pop count for a Lamar Jackson rookie card. Um, 376 is obviously a super low pop count, but you're paying for that at $3.99. So this is kind of something interesting now to start looking at as well. And these ratios will appear in market movers. Whenever you look at a player that has multiple cards of the same grade for the same set and the same variation. Um, and it's specific right now to PSA cards. So basically any player in market movers, if you call up the same set, and the same variation, and then you look at like a PSA 10 versus a PSA 9, uh, that's when you're going to get this data on your screen. Um, and it's, it's interesting to look at that across multiple cards and to see where you're, where, what, what you're paying per pop count. And to Brennan's point, I think what you're really going to see, uh, I think this is very true what Brennan said, is that with 2019 Prism with Zion and Ja and those types of players, as more and more flood back from grading from PSA, you're going to see the pop counts on those cards sail way past 2018. And the 2018 pop counts were way past 2017, right? And so I think what you're going to realize is that essentially if you look at the the dollar per pop count for Zion, it's going to look way worse than the dollar for pop count for Luca. And Luca's going to look way worse than the dollar for pop count for Jason Tatum because of the difference in years. And, and honestly, this pattern is going to continue to go as you go back. And if you start to look at the dollar for pop count of a Giannis or the dollar for pop count of an Anthony Davis the year before him, or a few years prior to that, the dollar for pop count of a James Harden, who we talked about earlier, 
those guys are going to start to look like extreme values compared to, uh, you know, what you're paying on a dollar per pot count basis for a player like Zion. All right. I do want to ask you guys to like and subscribe and much appreciate that. And hit us up in the comment section. Tell us, uh, tell us you want to, what you guys want to hear. Tell us what you, what you want us uh, to talk about going forward as far as future shows. Uh, also a reminder, 20% off your first payment. Uh, Grinders promo code for SCI, you know, the market mover tool we've been talking about throughout the entire show. That's available to you as well. Uh, Simon, I know you had some, uh, some thoughts on this conversation, so feel free to chime in, put a bow on it, and then uh, set up your, uh, your mail day card. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, when those COVID cards start coming through, I know there's been a huge backlog over at PSA. Uh, people are talking about how it's, it's been taking them months to get their cards back. I think that's I think that's clearing up a little bit now, a little bit more than it has been. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see those 2018, 2019 uh, rookie PSA counts uh, start to start to climb pretty significantly. And hopefully, it doesn't damage the prices on those cards too much. I got uh, Zion Mosaic that I just sent into PSA my, myself. I sent in uh, about six cards this past week, so I'm I'm hoping to get an update on. Uh, when those might come back. I believe the waiting period was 45 days for the uh, option that I selected. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, and I'll keep uh, everybody updated on on how that's progressing. Uh, as far as mail day, um, I jumped into the chief bandwagon this week. I bought a 2015 Topps Chrome Marcus Mariota card. Uh, it's a Marcus Mariota is a player that's been talked about a lot in the RG Discord, sports, sports card Discord channel recently. I know uh, Chief's been talking him up a lot. Uh, Rhino, I believe, is heavily uh, invested in him. And I just like the price right now. I like that you can buy the card uh, as a PSA 10 for under $30. As you know, when you try to get a card graded by PSA, it's going to cost you around 20 bucks anyway. So the value there is... 20 bucks for your PSA and you're paying about, you know, like, uh, like eight bucks for the card is what I paid, including shipping. So I don't feel like there's a lot of downside there. And I feel like I'm going to take the other side of the Vegas Dave bet. He's betting on Derek Carr. I'm going to be betting on Marcus Mariota. This <laughs> he year. doesn't lose though. I don't know how he does it, but, uh, just <laughs> I don't know how he does there. it either. Yeah. Yeah. But he's, he's probably been able to increase the, prices of those Derek Carr rookies enough so that he's he's probably uh, bailed on half of them at this point anyways so <laughs> Simon give me your socials uh, tell the people how they can find you out there and anything you're working on I know you have some videos here at the RG channel as well too some articles sometimes anything you can sort of tease or anything that you've uh you know you've already put out there that might be worth a look yeah you can find me on Twitter at Yeti Boom Films you can find me in the RG Discord channel and the Sports Card channel um, you can also check out my articles. I'm posting an article a week over on Roto Grinders and the sports card section. Uh, we post two articles and two videos weekly on there. So a lot of content going up, a lot of ideas for sports card content, and we use market movers on everything. So we can help you out with figuring out how to use market movers and give you some good ideas for what to look at, look for your, yourself. Uh, Jeff, where can people find you and uh, see Mariota and raise them? <laughs> there you go. Right. The, the Mariota, that's a, that's a, that was a good pick. So uh, first of all, I went with, uh, we instead of, instead of going with an unproven like Mariota, um, I went with potentially the most proven from the sport of basketball. I went with a LeBron 
uh, rookie card. This is his uh, Bowman Chrome rookie card. His Bowman Chrome rookie and stars from 2003. Um, I own uh, a handful of his Tops and Tops Chrome rookie cards from 2003, but did not own any of his Bowman uh, ones, which are also quite popular. So I decided to pick one of those up. I still really, really like, I think LeBron is a very, very safe investment, but a, a safe investment that also has upside. Um, he's got a lot of upside in that if he wins a championship with the Lakers this year or next or any time, his cards are going to go up. He's going to be a hero in LA. Even if he doesn't, he's obviously done enough to be one of the greatest of all time. And so I think in either case, he's a, he's a pretty good investment. Um, in terms of uh, where to find me, Sports Card Investor. I'm on YouTube as Sports Card Investor. Of course, my website, sportscardinvestor.com. And, and if you check out my membership programs on my website, again, 20% off with coupon code GRINDERS uh, to get 20% off your first payment for any of the membership programs. I'm looking at that card. It's a beautiful card. It's a Gen Min 10. LeBron looks so young. It uh, what did uh, you pay for this? Do you remember, give or take? I think the Chromes uh, were going for, I want to say they're going for around 4,000. I believe, I believe this is the Bowman Chrome. I believe it was around 4,000. Don't, don't quote me on that. I'd, I'd have to uh, go back and check, but I think it's in that neighborhood. Fair enough. I was looking at it. I'm like, oh man, this would be a great first card for me to purchase. And you said 4,000. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll see. Uh, Brennan, what do you have for me? Sure. Yeah. So uh, this week I had a couple of, a uh, couple of guys come in that, are ones that I'm going to be holding on to for a long time. One of the first shows we talked, we actually talked about Bam Adebayo. And uh, what happens for me is when, when a player's cards go up and BAMs have gone up this year, I look for something at the tail end of when I'm trying to buy up that guy's cards that I can hold for a while and that still hasn't run too far away. And, and for me, that was the Spectra on-card auto. It's numbered to 199 and it's just a beautiful card. You, you get those Spectra on-card autos in hand and they just feel, look and feel a little bit different. And so um, I, I'm really excited to get that card in. Uh, I'm probably going to send it into to PSA or BGS and get that graded and just set it on the shelf. Uh, another guy that I'm parking, uh, you know, some investments into is, is Giannis. And Jeff's been a big proponent of Giannis um, for a long time now. Uh, you know, the, the idea for me is that a lot of people have focused on his prisms and his selects so far this year. I'm hoping there's a dip at some point in the offseason. Maybe they go out in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I can cash in uh, both this one, uh, which is the – I believe it's the uh, – gosh, it's the uh, it's an all-rookies insert. I forget what the, uh, what the brand is. I'll have to go back and look at it. You guys are seeing it on the screen. Um, but what, the nice thing about it uh, is it's got the rookie tag on it, which you don't see with a lot of inserts nowadays. And so uh, the idea for me is that I'll cash this one in with my uh, Giannis certified rookie uh, and then hopefully turn those into a selector or prism. So I'm pretty excited at both these guys. And as Jeff has mentioned before, the pop counts on these things from Giannis's year actually are lower than LeBron's, which is 10 years prior to his. So uh, I think Giannis is in, in, a, in the same way that LeBron is, is a great uh, safe investment as well as one with some upside. Where can I find you around the interwebs? Yep. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the DFS advisor. And uh, I'll be putting out an article this week. I think it's going to be Friday that compares Giannis's market cap to the numbers that we've seen with LeBron and, and uh, Luca. And I think one thing that would be interesting is to look at the uh, pop count per dollar, which we can see now in market movers. So I'm pretty excited to launch that. And I have a feeling that it's going to be pretty telling. 
All right, that was the show. Much appreciate you guys watching. Again, like, subscribe. Uh, you guys know about the promo code for SCI. That's Grinders. For Simon, for Jeff, for Brennan, I'm Dean. That was Sports Cards. We're Roto Grinders. We're out of here. Holler. Holler.